The Persistent and Nasty podcast is a series of interviews and informal discussions with inspiring women and other marginalised voices in theatre, film and beyond. From actors to activists, we aim to amplify these voices and invite the world to stay nasty. The Persistent and Nasty podcast has teamed up with We Edition to offer our listeners 25% off monthly subscription. Head over to We Edition and type in NASTY, all capital letters, 25 at checkout. I have said it before, I will say it again. We Edition really are the future of casting. And also you can make money while being a member on the site. You can um, be a scene partner for people and you can help with accents. You can just generally help each other out. And it's a really important thing for us to do, especially during these times and just a lovely way to have community. Our other offer for our listeners is still with Backstage. Backstage are offering our actors 12 months free subscription. You heard that right, 12 months free if you follow the link in the description box. For casting directors, you can post free castings when you type in Persistent and Nasty at checkout. Hello you gorgeous law and welcome to another episode of Persistent and Nasty Podcast. Elaine here, how are you all doing? December is here, we are nearly at the end of the shit show that has been 2020 and a vaccine is on its way. Happy bloody days. Um, hope you're all staying well, hope you are washing your hands, wearing your mask, masks, masks and being kind to each other. Um, we have an amazing episode for you all today. Uh, we, I don't even know where to start with this incredible force of nature that is Rachel Jackson. Rachel is a Scottish actor, comedian, writer, and all-round positive vibe that basically is what we all need in our corner every single day. It was an utter joy. All three of us had the chance to chat with Rachel last Friday. Um, and it was, yeah, joy, uplifting, inspiring. Um, I can't wait until all of this is over and uh, the nasty gals can take Rachel out um, for a wee glass of wine because I think everyone needs Rachel Jackson in their life. Be ready to be inspired, uplifted, laugh and uh, remember that what I found the most amazing thing about this episode is Rachel's total belief in herself and something that I think that we all can take um, and just remember to love yourself more than anything and oh I can't wait for you all to hear it. It's, it's an utter joy. Um, as always, follow us on all social media, Twitter, 
at Persistent Nasty, Instagram at Persistent and Nasty, Facebook Persistent and Nasty and if you want to get in touch with us um, you can always send us a wee DM or um, email us at persistentandnasty at gmail.com. Please remember to like, subscribe, download the episode and leave a comment it re- and you can rate us as well. All of these things make a huge difference and uh, gets uh, this podcast out to as many people as possible. So for today's episode, I'm going to go with, I mean, it depends on what time of the day you're listening. Maybe start with some shots of Patron. (laughs) Just get you on that level straight away. Uh, Or definitely some Prosecco would be good. Uh, Wine. Do you know what? Just whatever. And if you want a wee cup of tea, because it's absolutely freezing in Glasgow. I don't know what it's like for anybody else. We've had snow Winter is definitely here, so maybe even a wee hot chocolate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. I bet that's just beautiful. Oh my God, it is. It's so beautiful, but it's just been hard because obviously everything's closed and I don't know anyone. <laughs> oh, mate. <laughs> I'm on lockdown, so I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. I'm just trying to stay inspired, you know, even though there's not much to be inspired about. <laughs> that is all we all can do really at the moment isn't it so I know. it's good to always, maintain I always, I always appreciate your tweets you know like <laughs> talking about the industry because I, I can't agree more <laughs> honestly I think that the time for like pussyfooting about this bullshit is past I think no, it's time to just no, like I'm the same like because people I, I remember when I was at drama school and people were like, Rachel, you really have to watch with your persona on Twitter because it's going to put people off wanting to work with you. And I was like, get fucked. <laughs> right. And this is the beginning of the podcast. And I'm really glad I started recording it like literally <laughs> ago. That's the sound bite. Get fucked. Yeah, yeah. get fucked. Yeah. Like, that's like it- you yourself, then why would you want to work with him? Yeah, well, exactly. That's it. Um, that's exactly right. I don't want to work with these. I don't want to work with people who have a problem with me saying that this is this is shite. This has been, you know, not a good system. Um, exactly. You, did, you like, I really loved the interview you did. Oh God, was it a couple of months ago or a month ago? I don't know. Time has no meaning. Where you <laughs> were talking about how um, I can't remember who it was that tweeted it. it was a guy, of course, that tweeted yeah, it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, can you talk a bit about that? Because that was brilliant. I'm so glad that you were out You were out there talking about that. Yeah, well, I think it was good that he... I do think it was good that a man started that. I do, because if it had been a woman, people would be like, oh, she's bitter. Oh, she's just not getting any work. You know what people are like. So for a man to say this is a problem, it was yeah. it was so like liberating because then all the... Did you see the hundreds and hundreds? I didn't actually realise how many Scottish actresses there were. Yeah. I, because you, we, we don't see any of them. Because we never work. Yeah. <laughs> it's like depressing, but it's true. I think we were all surprised at how many replies, you know. Oh, absolutely. Because you, you only see about five, you know. Um, so it is like, oh my God, it was, it was kind of like, I remember feeling really empowered by it. Like, I was like, this is amazing. Like, it was like a movement. Because we were all like angry, but it was like solidarity and support and I see you, I see you. And I was just like, this is like, I feel at the start of something. So then a guy got in touch with me and he has a film magazine called Film Stories. And he said, would you like to write kind of an article about this? 
And I was like, yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> so it was, it was really good. And I, I, I did the article and it, it mainly got positive responses, but obviously it's Twitter. So there's always going to be trolls. And I did get a few people like, oh, well, if you say stuff like this, you're never going to work then, are you? You're, oh, you've ruined your career. I had someone say, you will never work again. Did you say, get fucked? <laughs> I didn't even reply. Because I just think on, on Twitter, I think silence is so powerful. Mm. No, because like when you get trolled, if you give them attention, it's kind of what they want. Because most of yeah. these people in mom's basement. I genuinely believe that, you know, like they don't, they don't have a life. Because if they did have a life, they wouldn't feel the need to attack people they didn't know on Twitter. Yeah. So I just ignored it. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's like, I, I'm one of those people, I focus on the negative. I think we all do rather than the positive. I got like hundreds of retweets and, you know, support and, oh my God, this is amazing. But the five people who like slag me off, <laughs> they're the ones that I'm talking about. Do you know what I mean? Were they men? Uh, actually, it was men and women. And it was one of them, you know what? Because in the article I'd written about, I actually said to anyone reading this, they might go, well, go and write your own work then. If you're so miserable, go and write your own work. Uh, and I said, but actually I do, I do do that. Like I, I am a writer, I am a comedian. I do, I write, I write things. So um, I am trying to make my own work. It's not for lack of trying. And then someone who obviously hadn't even read the article tweeted me and they were like, make your own work then if you're so miserable. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, like you haven't even read it. So what's the point? You can't argue with stupidity. Oh, 100%. Um, First yeah. of all, Rachel Jackson, welcome to the Persistent <laughs> Mandy podcast. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> no, we're thrilled to have you. Absolutely thrilled. We've been wanting you on for ages. Um, Literally, all I can think about right now is the Bet Davis line in um, All About Eve. Fasten uh-huh. your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. This Woo! is going to be a bumpy podcast, people. Yes. I love it. I love Bet Davis as well. She's Me too. amazing. Me too. She is um, so brilliant. That pink dress is living for it. Love, love, love. <laughs> Gorge. Yeah. It's like a wee top. I've got my, um, oh, I have to stand up. <laughs> my, my trousers on too. Can we get a screenshot of this? This absolute, <laughs> like, yes, yeah, show, oh. show us your full kit. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think what we'll need, I think we'll need you to send us a full length selfie for yeah. our social media just so we can share with our listeners just how like fierce you are looking right now. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. This this last year, we are all absolute experts in like tech setups, like running things. Fuck me, honestly, like I can't believe how quick we've just had to learn everything technical. You say like- that, Mish. I'm still a little bit behind and thank God I have you in my life that's all I can say uh yeah okay maybe I'm front running it but still you are front running it babes you are front running it do you know Rachel I was going to say though on the whole tweet from Andrew um what I think I loved the most about that whole thread was just when all these Scottish actresses were like yeah I'm here I'm here I'm here there was just the love from each other was like yes she's fucking brilliant yes employ her she's amazing and just like that made me feel like I was so proud of being part of the Scottish community that in that thread I was like look at the love being shared by all these amazing women who I've seen maybe um in on stage or haven't seen but I know that they are going to be amazing because they don't have the chance yet to show what they can do and I just I just really love that oh I'm getting emotional guys fuck fucking (laughs) podcast bingo here we go (laughs) 
Is that was probably our quickest cry yet. And I can totally feel the tears coming. It's ridiculous. Really, that's so sweet. I know. I just like. I know. I can't help myself. I'm like, oh God, the love. No, but it's good because I felt like it was hopeful rather than like it didn't feel like some bitchy negative thing. It was like really hopeful. It was like, look, we're here. We love what we do. Like we just want more of a chance. Like it wasn't. That's why the the trolls are just so pathetic because they're Mm -hmm. like. They just zoom in on something as if you're you're being like a negative little whiny little witch. And it's yeah. like, no, like I love my industry so much. I just wish it was a little bit different. Yeah. yeah. And so that's all love, I just want to say, I'm a bit obsessed with you. I love you, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> Not to make it weird to- or anything, but yeah. But I, so I feel like I know quite a bit about you and what you do, but I think maybe there might be some listeners who don't. If they don't, where have they been? Uh, so <laughs> exactly where have they been where have they been so could you just give us a quick rundown of of you and your career because you've got loads of strings to your bow and you've done loads of really cool stuff so like give us the potted history for the list oh thank you so yeah so I'm from Edinburgh and uh, I grew up there and then I moved to London for like seven years but I've I move around a lot I've always said I've kind of got gypsy blood like I don't really care where I live I just you know I just like to like travel and be in different places so I have lived all over the UK really I've lived like London, Kent, I've lived in Ayrshire, Edinburgh and are you in Ayrshire? No I'm from Ayrshire though. No way where about? Kilmarnock. Oh my god. <laughs> where were I you li- in Ayrshire? Well I lived in Stevenston and then I also lived in Ardrossan. Babes. <laughs> no I know I mean that's why like I basically had a joke in my stand-up because my ex-boyfriend was from Ayrshire, so I moved for him. And so whenever he doubted my love for him, I was like, I moved to Ayrshire. I'm living in fucking Ardrossan, mate. Yeah, like, I think I've proven my love for you, mate. Like, seriously. Yeah. Uh, but he dumped me last Christmas, so... Fuck him. Yeah, fuck him. So, um, I. But yeah, so I've lived all over. But... <clears throat> and I've been, like, an actress, like, my whole life. Like, I, I did youth theatre, and I did national youth theatre, and I went to drama school. So I did, like that kind of traditional route. But then when I came out of drama school, I was feeling so frustrated um, as as we all are as actresses, um, just because there was nothing happening at all. And so I started writing my own work um, and I put on a, a one woman show that I took to the Edinburgh Fringe and it was called Memoirs of a Bunny Boiler. And it was all about my love life and how twisted it was. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, it was basically written as a one woman like a comedy play but then over the course of the fringe, it became a stand-up show. I didn't realise it, if you see what I mean. I was just coming out of coming out of the script, chatting to the audience, and people were coming up to you going, Oh, how long have you done stand-up for? And I was like, What? Because <laughs> I didn't realise that it was stand-up. So I, I feel like I, I can genuinely say I accidentally got into stand-up comedy and then I, I fell in love with it. So now I'm I'm an actress and a comedian, and um I, I just do both. And rightly so. Rightly so. Like, get if you can get the work, do it. You know, because I feel like if I had just relied purely on acting work, I don't know where I'd be. You know, because it's so hard. It's just so hard. Like, if I could count up the money I've actually made from acting, I'd want to shoot myself in the head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like live on Zoom. You know. Don't do it today, though. You know. Yeah. It's brutal. It is brutal. Yeah. And you just, you do, you need to absolutely 
follow your love and do what's right for you. It's this, we talk about the hustle all the time about how actors have other jobs. And that's been for so long, like such a shame and such a kind of like, oh, you don't talk about the other jobs you're doing. But the reality is if we weren't doing those other jobs, we'd be so fucking miserable sitting on our arses doing nothing that yeah. it would be completely, it would be a complete waste of our lives. Yeah. We need to, like we're humans, we're creative humans. We need to be doing stuff that's creative and whatever yeah. capacity that is, if it's making a fucking gorgeous coffee with really lovely latte art, <laughs> stunning. Day it's well spent. I don't know where that shame comes from. I don't know where it comes from, but it's always been put on actors. Like, it's disgusting, really. Patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not to always blame the patriarchy, but... Well, no, it is, though. I think, I think that shame comes from, like, that whole thing, you know, um, you know, if you, in the back, back, hundred, a couple of hundred, yeah, where are we in? 20, 20, a couple of hundred years ago. Um, if you were an actress on stage, you were basically treated like a prostitute. Yeah. yeah. So that shame, and in particular, it never, and maybe I'm being really unfair, but I think the shame seems to land a lot on the females. Again, this is patriarchy and society. Shame t- tends, tends to land on us a lot more than it does on our male counterparts. Yeah. I'm sure there are men uh, who would say to me, no, I feel that shame too, but it doesn't feel as, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Somebody help me out. Dirty. Pronounced <laughs> dirty. <laughs> You're filthy. Do you, know what that's, do you know what that says a lot though, Misha, because it's like the other layers of things that we tend to experience within the industry. Dirty is one of them. Like, you know, we all Big. know when you when you say that what that could be interpreted as. Cause like yeah. yeah. No, it's true. Like I do um I do periscopes, right? And that's kind of because I know a lot of comedians have been on Twitch during the pandemic to try and get their profile up, but I do it on Periscope. And um every day I do a periscope. I get guys because they can type in. So it's like you on video, you're sitting chatting and they like real time and they can sit and write messages. And ge- generally it's all very positive and, and people like ask for my YouTube and they can go and like watch me. But every single day without fail, are you on OnlyFans? <laughs> and I go, what would make you think I'm on OnlyFans? You know, like what's giving you that impression? I'm not sitting in my brand pants. I'm not talking about like wanting to do any of that. So why are you asking me if I'm only only fan? You should do only fans. You get some more money doing that. I say, but I'm a, an actress and a comedian. What? Why would I go on only fans? I just don't understand why that's the jump now. Yeah, tell me why. Explain to me in actual words why you're asking me this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God. But the most depressing um, thing is, I would make money on it. <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's, it's like, a different job. It's a different job entirely. No shame here. Absolutely if not. Exactly. To, like get on OnlyFans, <laughs> there'd be no shame here. That's if, I could, if I could, I would. If I could take a decent photo of myself, I'd be fucking straight on it. <laughs> well, I've got, this, I've got this. I've got this. I've got this plan that if I do ever join it, it won't be my face. I'll just have the screen mask on. So it'll be me fully naked, but with the screen mask on. And so I feel like, you know. Now everybody's going to know when that appears, it's you, Rachel. I know, and she is. I've, I've said that now. Someone else will do it. They'll get all the credit. And, you, and everyone will think that it's you. And you'll be like, actually, I'm not even that. making the money from my idea. You know what I mean? This we is should the, problem with the podcast for your, for your protection. We'll cut that out. <laughs> I 
exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it's just mental, man. We're, we're in such mental times. And I don't know, that's again what you were saying about being considered dirty or whatever, that if you're an actress and comedian, people instantly assume that you're going to sell your nudes. And the thing is, again, no judgment for people who do do that. Like Cardi B's on OnlyFans, and I fucking love Cardi B. She's like amazing. Yeah. But it's not my jam. I don't want to do it, right? But why, why do people think, well, if you're an actress and comedian, then that's the next logical step for you? Like, where does that come from? It comes from the fact that for so long, like how we were sort of perceived or slotted into things was often sexualized or passive. So it's like you're either the foil for the male lead or there's you're 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 being raped or you're being objectified or in some way that your physicality, your sexuality, and your body are the most commodifiable part of you. And it's, it's fucked up. Yeah, it's fucked up. <laughs> Get I'm, fucked. Done with it. I'm so done with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I love your presence on social media though, Rachel. I love everything about your sort of attitude and the way you put yourself out there. And one of the things I love the most is like when you do like your hashtag, I'm going to host SNL one day. And like the, the actual like commitment, like, you know, I'm fucking good and I'm doing it. I'm out here and I'm doing it and I'm, I'm building the CV and I'm out there making my own work and I'm telling you to get fucked because you need to get fucked. And I yes, love it. It's really, it really cheers me up and I think it's brilliant. It and I wish... I wish more I wish more of us were capable of that because there is this it comes back to that shame thing of not being able to or or feeling that you'll get judged for shouting about your own success or shouting about that your confidence in yourself yeah because I feel like always I've always believed in myself like since I was a little girl I've always believed in my talent right and you know I just think why are again it's the shame of like we're not allowed to shout about our achievements or about our talent but I just I just feel like I don't have that I don't have that like shame because I just think, well, I am fucking good. <laughs> like, and I feel like you've got to be your own biggest fan. Like I'm very, I'm, I'm a huge Lady Gaga fan and she's all about self-love, practice self-love, self-love. Because I think for so long, for so many of us, we're always chasing like the guy or whatever. And I think if we poured all that love into ourselves instead, because I, I used to be guilty of it. I wrote a show about how much I was obsessed with men and all that. And I just got bored of it. I was like, oh, that's, that's actually boring. Like, why not I just pour yeah. all this love into myself and this is what's become, <laughs> this is what's happened. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Yeah. I absolutely love it. It Thank really you. genuinely cheers me up when I see it on Instagram and stuff. I'm like, yes, Queen, come on. Yeah. You are going to host SNL one day. You are. <laughs> see, when I do host SNL, people are going to be so shocked because they're like, oh, she's been saying this for years. <laughs> You know that way, but I totally believe it. Like that, that is my goal and I feel like I will get there. I love that. Yeah. I, I genuinely do. It's such a breath of fresh air. It makes me feel genuinely good. Like, Thank you, Louise. It, it means up. a lot because I know a lot of people would be like, oh, you know, it's delusional or whatever. But I just think, again, we, we've all been taught to, to like dream small and to believe small. And I've just never had that quality in me because I just think, well, I'd rather fail and try than not even take a shot. Um, so if I'm 85 years old on my deathbed and I haven't made that happen, then I'll go, well, you know what? I gave it everything I, I gave it everything I had. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And but, like everything you've done that wasn't exactly that, you've probably still done so much more than folk who've been too scared to do anything at all. That's exactly it. Like, I don't want to be um, Marlon Brando, you know, in, um, off the waterfront, on the waterfront. I don't want to be like, hey, I could have been somebody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't What's want the, it to be 
regretting it. You've just got to go for it. Yeah, what's the phrase? It's like you miss all the shots you don't take. I think that's, yeah. Totally. That's the phrase, isn't it? Um, it was funny because I was actually on a panel recently with another Scottish actress, a lovely girl, and we were we were asked about our ambitions, like because we were we were talking about that whole Andrew Rothney tweet and about how it gone viral and what is our ambitions now as a Scottish actress going forward. And hers was just to um, actually get more work where she could use her own accent, because so often she gets work where she's got to do an American accent or an English accent. She was like, I'd love to just be able to be Scottish, right? And then it was my turn and I was like, well, <laughs> I was like, I want to be in Hollywood movies using my own accent. I was like, cause it's never ever been done. There's never been like a big American Hollywood comedy film where there's like a Scottish woman in it ever, like doing her own voice. And I just think that would be actually radical. Like you've heard men do their own voices. And so often in these Hollywood movies, you hear English voices, you hear Irish voices, but you never, I've never ever seen a Scottish woman doing her own voice in a big Hollywood comedy film. And the girl next to me was like, oh my God, you're thinking big. <laughs> and I was like, well, why not? Like someone's got to. And you know, there's nothing, there's nothing to say that that won't happen if you're putting yourself out there and saying, well, why the fuck not? I think we talk a lot about manifestation, uh, which sounds a bit airy fairy, but it's like, if you say it, if you say it out loud and say, I'm going to do it. Yeah. It's almost like setting the to-do list and it's like, right, cool. It's out there now. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I feel like now that I've put it out there, especially about the SNL one, I'm like, right, I've got to do everything in my power. Cause it's such a big thing to say you want to do. Like I, I realize that it's huge. So I'm like, okay, right now it's out there. I've just got to keep, you know, keep going. But do you know what? I'm sure like, like Adele, for example, when she was, you know, working class London last writing an album and Clapham or whatever. Yeah. I bet you she never would have thought, would have thought in a million years she would post SNL. She's just done it. So it's incredible. I know. I know. It really is incredible, man. Totally. <laughs> Can I ask a wee question? And please feel free to cut this out of the podcast for everyone's sake. What What is that? What is host SNL? Oh, no, it's fine. It's um, SNL. It's, it's Saturday Night Live. It's an American show that's on every Saturday night. And it's basically a kind of a live comedy sketch show. And every Saturday, uh, like a famous person hosts it. And there's also a, f uh, a famous musical like act on every single week. And it's been going for 44 years, I think. Um, and yeah, basically as a comedian, it's, it's one of the biggest things you can do. Uh, to, to host that but it's not just comedians who host it actors host it um athletes like basically you have to be at the top of your game yeah. to be offered to host it and a scottish woman has never hosted it yet yet yeah and i the thing is i don't even care if i'm the first it's not about like oh i've got to be the first i just want to do it you know and i just think the fact that not a single scottish woman's ever ever hosted it i just think that is mental the amount of, um, actually over the last few years as well, the amount of uh, female comedi comedic talent that comes through from SNL, like so Melissa McCarthy, Maya Rodolfo, you know, like, um, but I think the interesting thing I saw was last week was they did a skit, a skit on The View. Right. <laughs> first time that they've done a skit on The View, and this is in 2020, that all five or four characters were played by women. Right. Because when you did it like five years ago, they were all played by men. And I thought that's really fascinating that somebody that, or a programme as big as it, SNL, 
Saturday Night Live. <laughs> um, is now only just having four women play four women. It's keeping women in yeah, the box. I just don't understand that. Like, why? Why would they? Why would they write four women and think, oh, we'll just get four men to do this? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. It's. I think it's also like still battling against that little um, seed that was planted long, long ago that women aren't funny. And even though, S- even though Saturday Night Live has proven time and time again that they don't necessarily really think that, I think it's subconscious. And this whole idea of like, oh, but isn't it funny when men pretend to be women because women are hilarious? I, I, like, like to laugh at? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's so weird. It's crazy. I actually read an article the other day and I shouldn't have read it, <laughs> but I did. And it was um, from Vanity Fair, which obviously a huge, huge publication from 2007 and it was Christopher, I don't want to get this wrong because he's dead now, um, RIP, but my God, was this article, Christopher Hitchens, I think his name was, and he, the, the article was why women aren't funny. And this is 2007. The fact that Vanity Fair have even let this man publish this, write this, like we're in 2007, you can't write an article on why women aren't funny. Like that's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. You would never see an article why men aren't funny. Well, never- <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you write it, Rachel. Please. Do. Why oh, well, men aren't no funny. Response. Even if it's satire, I'll do it. Please you know? do. Right, time- please do and send it to Vanity Fair and I have it as your in response to your 2007 <laughs> article. <laughs> Like, I've been writing this for 13 years, or no, wait, 17 years, I can't even count. No, 13, right? But 13, yeah. It's been a long year. It's been a really long year. <laughs> I mean, you. I mean, as a stand-up, uh, you know, as a, a successful stand-up, because you, you were touring quite a bit, weren't you, before before touring became a dead and lost art? Um, yeah, <laughs> I know. Do you find that, do you experience that in, the, in what is a very male-dominated industry? Um, the whole woman I mean because I feel like it's so dated that does it still even happen on the comedy circuit like I'm, I'm sure it does but well yeah, I was why it definitely does happen is because you only have to look at most lineups to see that that's still a thing because I am generally the only woman on the bill so I never get to gig with my female comedian friends because it's like four men one woman five men one woman and I'm, I'm generalizing, obviously, because there's some that aren't like that. But most of the time, you are the only women on the, on the bill. So you're sitting in the green room with a bunch of guys. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of lovely male comedians out there. And I have a great time. But I'm just like, this just feels strange that we're in 2020. And I'm not with a, another woman in the green room. Like, why have I got to be female in the workplace? It's just grim. Is it because they, they, they're programming and then they go, oh, these are all guys. We should probably have at least one woman. Who, who's a, is anyone know a woman? Do we know <laughs> Get her in. Good, cool. Look, look how inclusive we are. We've got a woman. Yeah, we've got a woman. We've got a woman. But I don't know. And then I think that like every time I go on stage, not every time, obviously I have bad gigs, don't get me wrong. But like most of my gigs do go pretty well. And, you know, the audience like me and get a lot of laughs and people come up, oh, you were really funny. Thanks. And I'm like, see, the audience like it. The audience, the audience don't have a problem. They might, maybe some people, like when you first come on, oh, it's a woman. But I feel like time and time again, 
I and loads of other uh, female comedians have proven that they're funny. So I just find it so strange that we're still even having to talk about this. Like, it's just mental. But even now, you look up on some comedy bills and it is just, like, five white guys. And it's like, isn't that a bit, odd, like, boring for the audience, not getting just a, maybe a slightly different perspective of what it's like to be black or what it's like to be female or what it's like to be anything other than a straight white man? Like, and I don't know. I just, I just think it's mental that we're even still having to talk about it. I was, yeah. I've been watching because I've been home more and not out running around like an idiot. I've been watching um, Mock the Week. All right. Dad likes it, and we were watching it the other week, and and it was a really diverse set of comedians. There were people of color. There was people with disabilities. There were like women, more yeah. than one. Yeah. And, and then last night. Um, we were channel flicking and we came on to like like a rerun of an old mock the week and I, I couldn't fucking believe and like this was it was a mock of the mock of the week that was talking about the whole David Cameron fucking the pig so it's not that old yeah and they were all like there was one woman and they were all white men yeah fact check me if you dare they were all oh, they were all white mock the week and Mock the Week and 8 out, of 10, 8 out of 10 Cats and all of those sort of panel, TV panel shows that pluck comedians, like who's been most successful at the Edinburgh Fringe that year or whatever, like like that, is a, that has been a constant conversation uh, that I've been sort of anecdotally aware of that uh, women comedians have been like, yeah, yeah, we'll never get on it because they, they, they put one woman on it every now and again and then the rest is, it's all guys. So yeah. it's uh, it's been notoriously difficult for years, I think, for women to sort of break that TV yeah. comedy panel thing but also it's it's depressing because it's like you can tell with certain production companies and certain tv shows that they're only starting to be more inclusive because they're getting pressure for it because if you look at the old bills like you were saying Misha it's like it is all straight white guys so you're sort of like that's what you wanted mm. and now you're getting pressure so you're like oh okay well you know we'll do it and so it's just obvious so you're just like it's even more insulting almost because you're like oh you don't even want us you're just getting challenged now. Yeah, it's because totally Yeah, because your old bills are what you wanted. Yeah. Because that's what that's you had week on week on week. And now it's like, oh, okay, well, well, you know, we'll, we'll change it. But you can tell that it's not maybe uh, real. It's just bullshit, man. It's fascinating how scared of change people are. People are scared of the other. They're scared of what they don't know. They're scared of change. But time and time again, with women coming into spaces, with women speaking up, with people of colour, like, finally just fucking losing their shit and being like, absolutely not. Like, we are seeing that it is more successful and more interesting and more exciting and funnier and more creative with a diverse, like, range of voices. It's the world is better for its multiculturalism and for the, the range and breadth of people. I know, it's not rocket science, is it? Yeah, well, it's exactly yeah. that thing you were saying, Rachel, about it's boring when we see the same set of opinions yeah. over and over again. Like, And that like would be the same, I'm not trying to slag off straight white guys, you know? I mean, it'd be boring if it was any of the, you know, everyone's the same, the same colour and the same gender. It'd be like, okay, can we have, you know... It's just, it's not rocket science to like, the world is diverse. So why don't we, why don't we show that on our telly? Simple as that. Yeah, it's interesting. That. I've been just to kind of like continue through all the programs that I've been watching through lockdown. Um, I've been back watching Strictly and I used to watch it when I was younger, but like kind of fell out of it because 
it was cookie cutter. You know who you're going to see. You know who's going to win. Yeah. Anyway, but this this series I've been really excited by because they're different people. But what I heard and that I thought was really interesting, that girl, um, I should have name checked. I'm terrible at names. The one who's on EastEnders. Maisie. Maisie. She's young and she's feisty and she's opinionated and she's 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 a fucking brilliant dancer but she's consistently been in the bottom because the audience aren't voting for her and it's and it's because she's 19 and confident and but but then you look at we her v with no adjectives he is young and confident he's got dance experience he is an absolute parallel of her but a a, a guy and he oh, gets oh. Just like, it's just people speech. people just don't like women it's horrible to admit but people don't like us and that's it's, not men women don't like us either i was just we've, going to say the same thing yeah we've been, and we've been taught all our lives that women are evil and women are nasty and women women stole the apple the original woman you know she fucked up it wasn't the guy it was the woman so that's what we've been brought up to believe and I think even when I was younger I was uh, scared of confident women you know when I was like much younger and I was like a, a teenager like I was like put off by people who knew who they were and all that and now that I'm older I'm like oh my god I can't believe we've all been so badly conditioned to not like women like it's just mental so I'll yeah. do my power to to try and eradicate that in any way like you know it's so funny. So I watched it because I do love Strictly because it is like my, it's like my, it, it means it's Christmas is here and it's, um, <laughs> we're into that season. Um, but there's something, it's so fascinating that you mentioned Harvey without any fucking vowels. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> God bless that in ex- But that in, ex- in itself, I'm like, no. <laughs> it's fucking no. Put the vowels in there. They're there for a fucking reason. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ um, like that first week with it, like I was like oh he's a cocky wee shite I was like no no I'm off you I'm not and then my sister was texting me she's like he's really good and I went I don't give a shit if he's really good he's a cocky wee shite <laughs> so I'm on the other side yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Of the, and Maisie come on I was like yes go for it go for it sweetheart go yeah Harvey without your fucking A and your E the world loves a cocky wee shite that's the problem um you guys have been saying it's like Maisie's not popular because she's confident she's 19 and a woman and confident in herself that's getting marked down because how dare she be so uppity whereas the wee, the wee cocky wee shite Harvey without an A or whatever he is he's like that because the the, the cultural narrative has celebrated the cheeky chappy the the bad boy like that's always been elevated well women have to be passive and yeah also the fact that what what really annoys me about um the thing with Maisie is nobody's celebrating the fact that this, this young woman has been in the public eye since she was five years old on EastEnders and has grown up in the public eye and comes across really well is confident Yes, the like people can go. Oh, it's I start again, Elaine. That's because I'm getting really mad. I'm getting mad. Um, even my lipstick's moved. I'm getting that mad. Which uh, <laughs> is, you know, like the fact that she hasn't been 
belittled and made to feel small because she's so in the public face. We talked about it earlier, the trolls online. Like, I'm sure she's had that from a really young age. And the fact that she still believes in her own ability and her own talent, and she's still being authentic to who she is, isn't being celebrated. Yeah. Whereas Harvey is on fucking YouTube. Nothing wrong with YouTubers. I realise that is a whole thing. But I am of a generation where I'm like, I mean, what the fuck? Don't get me started on influencers. Welcome back to my channel. Ring the fucking bell. No. <laughs> what I was going to add is... Guys, can we tell that I'm really hormonal today? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it's coming back like full circle to this whole thread and being really excited to see all these women empowering each other. And in a way, also being surprised and other people going, I can't believe the community really like want other people to do well because people expect us to be bitchy, vindictive, hateful, jealous cows. Yeah. That is what they think our industry is. They think that we hate each other and they think that we're um, like, like, yeah, we don't want other people to do well. And yeah, we're pissed off when we don't get a job. And yeah, we can be like, fuck, I'm better than her and she's on that stage. But we're still <laughs> fucking buzzing that she's on the stage, kicking her height, living her dream. Yeah. So it's like, we can have complex emotions and not just be the negative one and be this like crappy, horrible. Yeah. Thing. As you've said, it's like, it's all these words. We talk about constantly we're blue in the face talking about all these words that we're reclaiming because people expect us to be like shit people and we're not yeah. I think what a lot of people don't realize as well is that if if one of us does well like a Scottish actress does really well that reflects well on all of us and I think that's such an important thing to remember because it's not like oh well she's got it she's going to get all the jobs and there's none left for the rest of us that's not how it works if you do well and, you know, America see, or whatever country see, oh, wow, this Scottish actress, who else is there then? You know, like if she's from that talent pool, I bet you there's more. Yeah. So it needs to well on all of us. So it's just like, there's not one space. There's not one spot. And I've yeah. always, I've always believed that. So it's like, if we see our peers doing well, it's good for all of us. So true. Um, I think another thing that was really lovely that happened from that thread for me was there was, it, it was again, it was a Twitter thread and it just, it's that scene, surround yourself with women who would mention you in a, a, mention your name in a room full of opportunities and what, like it just came up on Twitter and so many people were tagging other women uh, and like people were sending messages to other women going, this is you, that I know this, you would totally do this. And I just thought, it's just another way that we can undermine that patriarchal oppression of us and that idea exactly, Misha, that we're all bitchy and this, that and the next thing. It's like all those female films, was it not on um, Oceans 8? And they were all asked, oh, so was there any tension between all of you? And they were all just like, no. <laughs> we all really can just appreciate each other's talent and everybody's really fucking funny and lovely. Yeah. Next question. Ne uh -huh, next question. It's like, it's like, and also I just, I'll always love that one. I don't know if you've seen the after slag in YouTube, the YouTube compilation of uh, Rihanna when she gets asked about men in her <laughs> life and dating. Her face is just, Rihanna's face just gives me joy on so many levels. She's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's true. Proper. But it's just, you know, like actually most, Certainly in my experience, most women um, 
within this industry are really supportive. Yeah. It was like, do you remember um, back in 2004 when Desperate Housewives came out? Do you remember that? Yeah. When it was like bitches on set, they all hate each other. And, and it probably helped sell the show, you know, that kind of publicity because the show was all about that. But, you know, in real life, the actresses were like, we get on great. Like, this is just mental. So it's just everyone's wanting to believe, like, build, like, believe this narrative that all women hate each other and are competing with each other when actually, like, women, I know I was saying earlier that we've all been trained to, to hate women, but women, when you're friends with a woman, uh, it's the best feeling ever. Like, you know, having, like, strong female pals. I wouldn't be anywhere without my pals. Like, I love them to bits. And most yeah. of my friends are women. Uh, I'm not one of those women that's like, I don't really like other women. I like the guys. Never trust that woman. <laughs> Get her to fuck. She's an agent <laughs> of the patriarchy. Yeah, I don't really like other women. When women say that, I'm like, get to fuck. Like, you're not a real woman then, you know? Because women, like real women, love each other so much, man. You know? Um, and, and and yeah, I did a play a couple of years ago in London and um, it was just a three-hander. So it was me and two other Scottish actresses. And we just had a lovely time. It was brilliant. And so again, it's like, I, d- I just don't understand where it comes from, man. It's pitting us against each other because if we realised that we all all are fucking brilliant, we would just literally abandon the entire male population and just go off in our coven and take over the universe. We'd be so powerful that the thought of us gathering and actually like knowing that we're not bad, unstoppable. It's keeping us in our box again. It's like they keep us in our box and they pit us against each other, as you say, Misha, deliberately. So it's really crazy. But the thing yeah. is, I'm, I'm, I'm a sexist, but like in the opposite sense of being a sexist, because I do believe women are better than men. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I genuinely do. Like, when you see what our bodies can do compared to their bodies, we are the superior gender. So I'll, I'll, I'll shout it till the cows come home. You know, what we can do with our bodies is superior. So I'll fight anyone, man or woman, who disagrees with me on that. <laughs> I'm fascinated by the, the pain threshold of women. That's what, to me, is a superpower. The fact that we can, like, suffer such high levels of pain and still make a really good joke or, like, go for a walk or look after our kids or look after someone else or just get through the day without melting. I'll tell you one. My mum said, because I've been doing driving lessons recently because it's something that I've never done and I want to get a driving license... And so I've been doing driving lessons and I said to my mum, obviously after COVID, because you can't take a test right now or whatever, but I was like, after COVID, I want to sit my theory and do my test. And my mum says, honestly, Rachel, it's the hardest thing you will ever do is sit in your driving test. It's the most horrible thing, hardest thing you'll ever do. I was like, mum, you've had two kids and you're saying that your driving test was harder. And she was like, yeah, it was. And I was just like, that just sums up how powerful women are. She can like have two babies come out of her vagina and it's harder to do a three-point turn. <laughs> you know, that's women. Your mum sounds like an icon. I love that. I, know. I also have to say, I actually really enjoyed my driving test and I only got one minor. Wow, that's so good. As she hair flicks her way through life. Um, yeah, I only got one minor. Um, so I actually really enjoyed it. So yeah, bring on childbirth. <laughs> Yeah, but then it might be the opposite. I know, it's screwed. There's like, got to be 
something we find hard right give me all the give me all the pain medication yeah uh, get an acting work we find that hard Um, let's bring it back to the acting work you have had Rachel because we want to shout about you um, oh. and what you've got going on um, so tell us a bit about what's happened and what you're most proud of because like let's shout about you sweet um, the thing I'm probably yeah most proud of is a film I did called Beats that came out in cinemas last year and um, yeah that was that was brilliant because I fought really hard for it because you know it was they wanted like a genuine Scottish actors so everyone was getting seen for it. It was like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people went for it. So I knew it was it was gonna be a tough one. It wasn't like, you know, five people were going for it or whatever, but it, it was weird. And I, I've never said this before in my life. So this is something that I knew I was gonna get it. And I've never had that feeling about any other job. Um, but from the moment I got the email from my agent saying like, uh, they want you to take for this part. And it was like the 90s rave scene and they wanted like real mad kind of raver types. As soon as I read the email, I was like, I'm, I'm getting this. Because I just know that you can't really fake that kind of energy. Um, and I've got that. Like I, I do see people are always like, you on drugs? Are you, have you got ADHD? Like, cause I've got this like big kind of mad personality. So as soon as I read it, I, I just had a feeling. Like it was like a weird feeling. So much so that when, I'm, when I got invited to the like the recall, because obviously you did the tapes and all that, and I eventually got like a recall with the director. And I, I said something to him that I have never said to another director or anyone, and I probably never will again, because <laughs> I look back and I'm like, it was quite cringe. But as soon as he let me in, he shook my hand, you know, when we were still allowed to shake people's hands, remember that? <laughs> and I got into the room and he said, um, hi, nice to meet you. And I just said, by the way, like, I'm going to be in this film. And he was like, Okay, Love he that. was like, well, I'm, I'm looking for, I'm looking for people, but I was like, I can't describe it, but like, you are going to cast me in this film. <laughs> I fucking love that, Rachel. I love Look that into my so eyes. much. Yeah. <laughs> the like, like hypnotizing, like, what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I've never done that before. So it's not like I'm some sort of psycho who goes into every audition and is like, you're going to cast me. And they're just like, you're delusional, mate. Like, it's not... But it was a feeling I had. It was just like, I just knew it in my bones that I was meant to be in it. So I remember I did really well at that recall and I could tell he was, you know, quite impressed. And then I left and I remember I was so, cause I eat junk food when I'm happy. Like, you know how some people comfort eat when they're sad. But I, I comfort eat when I'm happy. I do so it I, on both. Yeah, I went to the chippy and I got a, a a fried pizza supper. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. It's my favourite fried pizza supper. Oh my god, it's my favourite. And I went and sat on Byers Road, and it was cold. It was like February, and it was freezing. But I was sitting out eating my chips and my pizza, and I was like, I'm going to get this, and this film's going to change my life. Like it was just a feeling I'd never had. And then I was, my mum phoned me, I was like, I'm gonna get this part, I'm gonna get this part. And she was like, yeah, you've said this a few times, not in a horrible way, but you know, she was like, no, I hope you do, I hope you do, you deserve it and all that. But I, so that's, that's, that's definitely the project I'm most proud of because it was like, I felt it in my bones from, from the first time I read the film and it was just the most fun film in it. And Steven Soderbergh was the executive producer. 
So I felt like finally I've got some, like a big job on my CV. Like finally I've got something that I can shout from the rooftops and people will be like, sorry, what was that? Like, what? <laughs> like finally, but you say that and even then, like it's still bloody hard. You know, I'm like, I thought that doing that film would make my life a lot easier. Like my career. I thought it would be a lot easier to, but it's not. I think it's a really interesting thing with our industry and it's something that people really struggle to get their heads around. We're <laughs> not climbing a ladder. It's not, we're not on a career trajectory. We're not in like an office where you're like the administrator and then you're the office manager. And then you're like, there is absolutely no like straight ladder up. You no. can literally be top of the rung. And then the next thing you're in, you're like really small bit part that gets cut at the end. I know. It's so bizarre. And it's such a difficult thing for people to get because they get it. And I think that's one of the like the biggest parts of our resilience is having that awareness where we think this is going to make it, this is going to be it. And then it doesn't. <laughs> and you have to pick yourself up on the other side of that. That's hard. I know. And because that's a superpower. It is, because we're all told about, and we, since we were little, you're told, oh, you just need to get your big break, your big break. And everyone talks about, oh, this are going to be your break. And it's, again, it's, the, it's again, like being brought up to hate women. It's the same sort of thing. Like, we all believe that it's all about getting a big break. We all do it. When actually, it's more like a succession of small breaks that leads to, like, a proper career. Um, so, yeah, it's mental. Don't get me wrong. Like it was amazing, and I'm glad that that's on my CV now, and it's on film forever. No one can ever take beats away from me. Like no matter what happens, like I could never work again, and I would always have had that. So that like, but I just think that all of us probably when we're doing it, thinking, oh, this is really gonna kind of supercharge our careers, and and it's just it's just not the case. You just got to keep working and keep going. That's the that's the real success, I think. Just like you say, that's the superpower is going, you know what, I'm still going for it no matter what, because I love what I do. Yes, Rachel, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. But it's hard. Yes, it's true, it's so hard. true, it's so true. Like I, like I say this all the time, I always knew this was going to be hard. Always knew it was going to be hard. Didn't know it was going to be this hard. It's going to be hard, but here I am, still here, clinging on by my fingernails. Good. I'm still here. Good. That's what I do. I think. I think actors. I think we've got to have like cockroach energy. I, I genuinely describe myself as a cockroach, and I know people don't like cockroaches, but they don't like actors either. So fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like you've got to have cockroach energy, and it's like you know, an apocalypse could come along, and I will survive it. Because otherwise, look, we, we all know people who've quit over the years. We know loads. I know half the people from my drama school have already quit, like people in my year group. And it's like, you've only given it five years, you know? And because, you know, I graduated in 2015 and a lot of the people in my year group um, just aren't really, you know. And I think, did you think you were just going to get Game of Thrones as soon as you came out and then that was it? Like, I think there is a lot of delusion um, with actors of like, you know, you think you're going to get a big break straight away. And some people do, but that's like 1% of actors that get a huge break straight away. For the rest of us, you've just got to work and work and work and work. And like you say, cling on for dear life. I mean, I'm like 16 years out. <laughs> what? Of drama school? Wow. Oh, my God. I know. I look really fresh faced when I... Hold on up. And you got ID'd the other day. So you did get ID'd true. the other day. It's not just us buttering you up. Living the dream. Living the dream. It's the Scottish water. Um, I know when I don't get ID'd now, I'm genuinely gutted. 
like when I buy a bottle of vodka and they're just like, that's fine. And I've got my mask on and they're still like, that's fine. I'm like, <laughs> please. I mean, I- honestly, that, I've, I've, I talk about it in this week's podcast with Louise and uh, that wee man had literally made my month. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Like, There's no way. You're not asking me for ID in my head. Oh my God, you are asking me for ID. <laughs> I was all ready to leave the booze because I didn't have any ID with me. I was like, I don't care. I'm leaving it. I just got ID'd. Happy days. Exactly. That's better. It's more important than the alcohol. Yeah. So if you graduated 16 years ago, I bet you a hell of a lot of quit now, right? I graduated in class. Uh, it's One of us has become a director. Right. One's become a photographer. One's a makeup artist. So they've still stayed within yeah, which the is industry. Cool. But those of us that are still acting, I think there's three of us. Oh my God. And how many were you in the class? In the final, uh, 14. Wow. And only three. But that's yeah. quite, I think that's quite a high statistic, actually. 14, you've got three, three and 14 plus four in cr- other creative roles. I yeah. think it's quite a high yeah, I mean that probably. Yeah, you're probably right, Misha. That is a really high. Because um... that's half are still in the creative industries. Yeah, that's true. And I think red half of my class, half of ready, and this is three years ago, are no longer in any creative role at all. Wow. Oh my god. Wow. Yeah, just kind of then put all the your like the money that was spent on that. You're like, oh. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a bit like I've been 16 I, years plugging away I'm not I'm not giving up now man come on yeah. in the time I think I don't actually think it matters that they don't stick it out because why should they why would why would why would anyone in their right mind stick out this kind of career <laughs> like genuinely why do do it? it's masochistic but having those three years everyone's looking at me aghast it's true no don't, i'm like no i'm not i completely i completely no, agree with you i'm also I'm, like are you no. calling me a masochist i'm calling us all masochists but all masochists no i know i'm joking but i i'm i'm way above all of you on hanging on there though <laughs> in time period so but i think giving like allowing students allowing young people to have three years of acting training however many years like the money invested in doing that training even if they have to scrape it all together from like the backs of their sofas to go and train and then they come out the other side and think it's not for me it's still worth it because how amazing to have had an experience where you're in a class being creative daily when you're getting to like play like our job is playing we get to be kids and play. Like it is the biggest privilege to have three years or however many years you train for yeah. to do that and be with other people who've got that same passion. Because when you're studying, you're full of fire. It's only mm-hmm. when you come out the other side and you see the reality that the fire fizzles and you have to work really, really hard to stoke it. But at the same time, like I, I think it's an interesting one because people say, oh, well, like, you shouldn't go to drama school if you don't actually have the stickability. That's bullshit. I think anyone should go to drama school if they want to. Everyone should have the opportunity. Everyone should get that chance to see what it's like to be in plays, to experience text, to learn about Shakespeare, whatever it is you're doing, learn about mm-hmm. other aspects of the industry. It's such a such a gift. And I think it makes our society stronger overall that you've got people who work in banks, you've got people who work in 
coffee shops, you've got people who work in hospitals, like nurses, teachers, they've all mm. had this background of drama training. It makes you better, better mm. people for having that experience. Thank you for listening to my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rachel. Thanks for having me on your podcast. <laughs> Just going to say, like, we haven't heard from Rachel for a while. Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, it's true, though. And I agree. And I also think that people shouldn't hang on just for the sake of it. I really do believe that because if it's making you miserable, then you shouldn't do something with your life that's making you miserable. And I think that's why when people go, you know what? I've given it a bash. I don't enjoy it. It's making me miserable. I'm going to find something else to do with my life. I think that is badass. You know, yeah. I don't But it's like they're them quitting or them being like, like little losers. I think it's like, you know what? I'm empowered enough to know that this isn't for me. I don't enjoy it anymore and I want to go and do something else. So I think those people are total badass as well. You've just got to do whatever you want to do with your life. You shouldn't be pressurised into clinging on for dear life because it's the right thing to do, you know? Like, even though I will always cling on for dear life. <laughs> yeah, me too. Don't yeah, but, but it's also, it is also that thing of like... Um, I really that idea it's not giving up you're just doing something and also this career path is not stable oh. and there isn't really a structure to it and if you're the type of person that needs to know what's coming this isn't the career for you and you only really find that out when you are out in the world doing it you don't yeah. know that at drama school no and also true. We don't know ourselves at a young age, like unless you're super lucky. Most of us kind of develop though that um, understanding of who we are as we grow. So, yeah, just yeah. If you if you are still if you still love the arts, but it's not for you anymore, there's no shame. Back to that word. Uh, there's no shame in changing your trajectory and doing mm. something else. Totally. Well, so we are coming to the end of the podcast, Rachel, and we like to ask uh, a little question at the end mm-hmm. of the podcast. Um, what does the phrase persistent and nasty mean to you, Rachel Jackson? Persistent and nasty. I love that. Um, yeah, it feels like words that could be, uh, you know, like to, to describe a woman, persistent and nasty, you know, but and I mean that in the most badass way possible. <laughs> yes yeah yeah I mean I think you're pretty pretty persistent and nasty yes that's me all over yeah (laughs) yeah definitely Um, I think we should do a part two Rachel I would love that absolutely I'll be back bitches (laughs) (laughs) is there anything else that you're wanting to shout about anything that you've been do you want to shout out your uh, links for where people can find you see you enjoy more of your comedy but not see in your underwear (laughs) who's your only fans link i know there's bloody only fans only fans it's just honestly i can't tell you every single day getting asked about my only fans it's making me think have i made a mistake should i have gotten to only fans (laughs) you could start you could start giving people like giving away other people's only fans links yeah, exactly. Promoting all the sex workers on OnlyFans, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, idea. If someone asks you, just find another, like, another yeah. OnlyFans account, someone you think's badass or brilliant exactly. or whatever. Like, yeah, someone. She's got a banging set of tits. Go and look at her. Live that dream and stop Live- pestering me. Yeah, exactly. No, but I'm on Twitter, so you can find me on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. 
I'm on LinkedIn. <laughs> and I would just like to say, I've got more followers on Periscope than Ricky Gervais. Yes. So it's it's just, you know, not that it seems to mean anything, but it I do. It means a hell of a lot. It means <laughs> a hell of a lot. It's huge. I just don't think, yeah, I don't think Ricky Gervais is getting asked about joining OnlyFans. That's the difference. I I'll be straight on there asking him. I'll be like, Ricky, have you got OnlyFans? <laughs> I would follow him. I would follow him on OnlyFans. I definitely would too. I'm bath asking content alone. <laughs> he loves a bath, does Ricky? So you know, <laughs> doesn't he? <laughs> he's always doing the doing those selfies, eh? But he's like. <laughs> Yeah. I love it. Hey, go and watch Beats if you can. I think you can buy it on YouTube and Amazon Prime and all those kind of platforms. I'm also in a film called The Party's Just Beginning that you can go and buy on, um, I don't know if it's Amazon or most things you can buy on YouTube, which I've discovered recently. Um, yeah. yeah, so go and look at my MDB. If there's anything that you think you'd maybe like to watch, go and watch <laughs> it. Um, yeah, <laughs> IMDB, baby. <laughs> and obviously follow on Periscope as well. Um, and we'll put all the links to all of that in the description of this episode. Woo! <laughs> Thank you so much, Rachel. What an absolute privilege and pleasure chatting to you this this fine oh, thank you. afternoon. Honestly, you've made my day, seriously. I mean, there's really not much going on right now, so it doesn't take a lot to make my day. <laughs> like, but you have. It's been really lovely. I love talking to other women and it's been great been gorgeous thank you so much Woo! thank you and, uh, best of luck with the rest of your day and uh yeah and thanks thanks everyone for listening you've been listening to rachel jackson on the persistent nasty podcast and until next time stay nasty, nasty. <laughs> that was shite <laughs> wait wait once more no uh, no we're keeping that shite nasty yeah. no we're it's getting it. Damn, damn. You...